Well, I am super excited about this podcast today because I am here with New York-based hairstylist and my friend, Danielle Priano. She's known as the go-to hairstylist for singers, models, actresses, and superstars. Her client lists include Cara Delevingne, Jennifer Lopez, Hailey Bieber, Taylor Hill, Gigi and Bella Hadid, and Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. Danielle's worked on ad campaigns for Adidas, Levi's, Carolina Herrera, Reebok, Victoria's Secret, and she's also been featured on the pages of Harper's Bazaar, Wonderland, Vogue Thailand, Numero Russia, and many, many more. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to my chair. Hey. Hi, Quinn. How are you? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, COVID hanging in there. You're weathering the storm. Yeah. Where are you calling from? You're in New York, right? Yeah, I'm in New York. New York. Got love for all. <laughs> what has the what has COVID been like for you? Well, I mean, in the beginning I was like a complete disaster mentally because like my drug is definitely my work. And because I couldn't do it. I was like losing my mind. And so for me, it wasn't easy in the beginning. But then, you know, I was stuck in the house with my two daughters. I have two daughters. If anyone doesn't know, I have a 21-year-old and a 17-year-old. And I've always been a single parent and I work really hard. So I was never home. I was always gone, gone, gone. And I gave them like financially everything they needed and, and, gave them the best of everything, but I wasn't physically there for them. So in those six months that we were pretty much doing nothing, I was able to build a relationship with them that will never be broken and get to know them, who they really are, because I thought I knew who they were and I thought I was a great mom, but really, you know, all that iPads and MacBooks and Gucci bags and and gifts don't mean anything because they just wanted their mom, you know? That's so sweet. So actually, COVID um, was the best thing that could ever happen to me. Um, wow. I, yeah. I haven't heard anybody have that much of a positive experience from COVID. 100% for me, though. But because, like, I also worked so much on myself, like my self-esteem and my self-worth um, and, like, just getting to know myself. Because I think that I was always running from myself, so I didn't. I never had time to actually have to sit down and think about me. And that happened over COVID? For sure. I mean, I'm in a house alone with my two children, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for six months long. And yeah, that's what it was for me. Like working on, you know, dealing with stuff that happened in my childhood. And I don't know if you know anything about my history, how I grew up, but it wasn't easy. And um yeah, I think that I am today a better person than I was pre-COVID. Wow. I that is I'm so um envious of you. I think I'm only a better person in like the last like couple of weeks. <laughs> like <laughs> for most of COVID I was just like not well and just not doing anything to better myself and then I feel like No, I had to because I was getting in such a a slump that it was like I have to get out of it because also the, you know, like I'm a single mom providing for my family and like, you don't have an, you don't know when you're going back to work, if you're going back to work or what. And you're like, you know, none of that really matters at the end of the day. Like, because now I have who I am. I'm, I'm a hundred percent confident with who I am and I have my kids and a great relationship with them. And that's all that matters. Like money will come and go and money's always going to be there and there's always going to be a means to make money. But, you know, if I would have continued going at the pace that I was going, my daughter's 21. She's would have been gone and say that the COVID happened when she was 30. I wouldn't have the opportunity to, to mend that relationship because she would have been already gone on her own with her own family and her own issues. But it was like a perfect time. She turned 21 during the COVID. So she was 20 and we quarantined together and You know, I think that it was, for me, healing in all aspects. Is it going to change the way that you uh, work when you go back to work? For sure. And it's not that it's going to change the way that I work as my talent will change. But I think that... Right, I mean, like, in terms of, like, the workload that you take on. 
Yeah. Or it's not even that, like, I love to work. So that's never going to change the workload that I, but I think that I'm going to be, instead of doing three jobs a day and flying from London on a red eye to Miami, then getting on another flight at the end of the Miami job to go to LA, then getting on another red eye back to New York to do a job for one day and then getting back on another flight to go to LA the next day for the rest of that job and then getting on a flight to go to Paris and then getting on a flight to go to wherever else I'm going. I think that that's going to change. I think that I I'm exhausted just myself. hearing that. <laughs> I can't spread myself. Like I remember I was in Cannes last year and I was in Cannes for a few days. Then I flew in between Cannes to LA to do like a job with Gigi, got back on a red. I flew back to Cannes, flew from Cannes to um, a Puma campaign with Adriana and then flew back to Cannes again. Like who does that? Yeah. People in our industry. That's not like a two hour flight. You know yeah. what I mean? So, but would it also, it like, when I travel like that or work like that, it affects my whole being. Like, I get um, shut, I get, like, depressed. And you know that it's not something deeper. You're just exhausted. Yeah. But see, I, the thing was, I wasn't getting depressed. I I, I thrive off of, like, oh. that kind of thing. And it was, like, for me, why am I thriving out of never being home, you know? So Do you I think you were works. avoiding being home by doing that? Like consciously yeah, or like subconsciously? Subconsciously, not consciously, but subconsciously, yes. Like just having to deal with myself. If I was going 100 miles per hour, I never had to deal with anything that I was going through in my personal life. So, so what happened that made saw. you decide to deal with it before? Because this COVID was a, was a huge thing, but, I, but you were, were you working on that before COVID? Yeah, for sure. I've been working on it for 10 years. I've been in therapy. I go to therapy once a week. Um, And at some point I was going two times. Um, You know, like I, I was, my mom gave me away when I was 13. So I don't have a really great relationship with her. I grew up in my grandma's house. She had 10 kids, as you know, and it was just, everything was always so crazy and hectic around me. And, um, So I think that I was used to the crazy and like, were you crazy? Is that why you got, um, your mom kicked you out of the house? I mean, she said I was crazy. I'm not crazy. Now looking back on it, all the people that told me I was bad or that I was crazy, they're the crazy ones. They like, I was different. So different doesn't mean crazy. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like I was very, do you remember your life before that point? Yeah. I remember yeah. all of my life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't, I've never had a real job. I worked in a massage parlor. I sold drugs. I was, I was very different, but also those were survival things for me because I, my mom gave me away when I was 13. So if you let a 13 year old girlfriend for themselves, you know, what other uh, outlet do they have? But so you, I do said, you remember being 13 and going shit? California. Like I, I have to be an adult now and fend for myself. No, because she sent me to California um, to live with my aunt in San Francisco. And I don't, I don't remember the point of like, Oh my God, I have to be an adult and fend for myself because we were already fending for ourselves to begin with because both my parents are addicts. So when you grow up like that, you're, you're already grow up so fast and you're definitely not the normal 10 year old or the normal 12 year old or the normal anything, because you're always taking care of yourself. Were you taking care of everybody? Was that your role? No, my older sister did. Uh huh. So you were the one who was acting out because you didn't know how to do it. Yeah, because I didn't like sit still when they told me to sit still or shut up when they told me to shut up. Or if you said, don't jump in the puddle, I jumped in the puddle. And it wasn't, now I know it wasn't out of like being rebellious or anything. It was just, you want attention. I'm a middle child. So I think that I'm already lacking that type of attention. So I would do extra things to get attention. What kid doesn't want attention from their parents? I... I, the only reason that I'm a full functioning adult and I still have issues is because I actually had like amazing parents who gave me everything they could. If I, I know if I didn't have that, I would, I would be a, um, a nightmare probably 
dead or just not a functioning person in society because I came with that same kind of um, ADD emotional baggage just naturally like it just came, I came out that well, way. Well, I also think it haps, happens a lot with people that have brains like ours, where we're more artists' brains than like intellectual brains. I know you're super smart anyway, but like I have an eighth grade education, so I'm not like a fucking rocket scientist. But I was really I, bad in school and confrontational and got sent out of the class a lot. And that stopped when I was aware that I was gay. And it wasn't okay, and I needed to shut down completely so people don't find see me for who I am. So everything right. shut down where I was like, okay, I can't be flamboyant and I can't be myself because I'll be attacked. So then right. all of that bad behavior, everything just shut down, you know. But so you're I more remember, quiet. I was way more quiet. My posture, even like I, I swear to God, only in the last year, I think I stand straighter because I was like, literally my shoulders are coming forward to try to disappear and try to not yeah. be harmed. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, crazy. I've always had those like, don't. yeah, I've always had this kind of like crazy part of my personality that I, I feel like only like in the past five years for better or worse, it's not all good. I'm trying to get back to that like crazy ass kid that I was. But it's also always all good. And this is the thing that I think that like a lot of there is a lot of misconception about is like, I never, ever care what anybody thinks about me and and any level because I've already been through everything. Right. And as you know, growing up with all of my uncles and aunts, like my grandma had 10 kids, half of them are gay. So I didn't know what gay or there was no prejudice involved in my family whatsoever. I'm Syrian and Italian. Like we, we're always a very mixed culture, mixed. It didn't matter. Like everybody, there was everything. I didn't grow up in like kind of environment that was like toxic in that manner. But the toxicity came from like my parents that were addicts. And, you know, my grandma was an amazing grandma. You know, my grandma, she's so great. And like, she, you know, took care of her 10 kids as a single mom. Her husband left her when she was pregnant with the 10th one. So then she also then took on us three. So that's 13 people in the house and they were poor, they were on welfare and there was no, there wasn't anything, you know? So we just all, I mean, look what Timothy made of himself. He doesn't have a college education. I don't even know if he has a high school diploma. I know I don't. Tom, but, um, your other uncle Tom, Tom is a hair legend. Yeah. yeah. And your Darren sister and, did really well for herself too. Well, my sister, she had quite different experience than we did because my mom got sober 20 something. Oh, 21 years ago, maybe more at this point. So she kind of stayed with my mom because she was the youngest and she got a different experience than me and my other sister did. Were you happy for her? Yeah, I was happy for her. I mean, I'm grateful for my experiences. I look back now and like, I wouldn't be me if I didn't go through all those things. So I can either be a victim of my circumstances or I can rise above and learn from them. And I definitely rose above and learned from them. When did that happen? Like, weren't you angry looking back for a long time? Oh my God. I was angry until my late twenties. Like I already had two kids. I hated the, like I wanted, I, the amount of suicide attempts I made on myself and, and like all these things, because I, I couldn't, I am so different than most people that like, I don't understand fuckery. I don't get it. I don't understand. Like if you have something to say, just say it. Like in general, in life and in work and every aspect, like People are willing to do for you what you need if you're upfront with them. But when you start to play games with people and mind fuck them, nobody can follow if you're a person like I am because I don't understand the mind fuck. Just tell me what you want and I'll give it to you if I can, if I'm capable of it. If I'm not, I'll let you know. But like, and I think that's really hard because our society is set up for the mind fuck like that is more yeah. normal in a work environment than actually just having no subtext and for saying what and you that's do. why it was so hard for me to fit in anywhere in my whole life because I didn't understand it because I truly don't give a fuck. Like I don't care. I but don't were care. you but just, when you were younger, is that just how you came out or when you were younger and on your own, did you care what people thought of you? I never cared what people thought about me. I think I was just born like that. Uh-huh. I think I just was me and 
I think I more cared that people thought own idea of who I was from the outside or whatever they heard that bothered me more than what people actually, because the people that know me, know me and they love me. The people that have an idea of me think like, oh, she's, she's controversial or she's this or she's that and all these other things. And it's like, at the end of the day, I'm less controversial than anyone. I'm just keeping it a hundred percent. Right. I I can co-sign that, that I said to you, one of the first things I remember saying to you was, Danielle, in this industry or in life, people are going to really like you or really not like you because of your personality. I remember Um, you telling me that. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I take it back because I actually think most people really like you. You do have your set of haters like everybody, but I, I find that you're so successful, not because, I mean, everybody at a certain level has talent. And you have that. But I also think that like when I get a call sheet and see your name on it, I know that like, oh, I can let my gut out. Like we can be real. We could be friends. We're going to have fun. Like I'd like to be stuck with you at a 10 hour layover than somebody else who's like, you know, fucking boring or fronting and fake. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to skip over how you got from, from being out, kicked out of your house. You said that you, you uh, sold drugs and this and that. Did you see the irony of that, that you grew up under in a household that had a drug, you know, addiction, and then you were there kind of back in the middle of it in some way? Yeah, for sure. 100%. Like not even just the irony of that. I think that like, I don't, I don't even, when you're grow, growing up like that and you're like driving around in the car with your your parent and like your parent has in the back of their trunk like a cooler with like alcohol on ice, you think that that's the norm because you don't know anything other. So when you're growing up in the environment, you don't see anything wrong with it because that's your reality, right? Mm-hmm. When you start to th- see things wrong with it is when you have conversations with other people as an adult and they're like, well, that's weird. And you're like, oh, should I not have said that? But like, well, did that, did, did those things follow you into other relationships that you had? Yeah, for sure. Like I had, my kid's father was abusive. My boyfriend after that was abusive. I think that that now I'm just, it felt 100% normal. And you know, one therapist said, said to me that you're so comfortable with chaos that uh-huh. when everything is calm and cool for you, you feel uneasy. And that stuck with me so much more than anything else anyone has ever said to me is that I am comfortable in chaos because my entire life growing up was chaotic. So I, if it was calm and normal, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. So that felt wrong. But the chaos in the... the so you tried to mind- recreate chaos to feel safe? I don't think I tried to recreate. I think it just happened. And that's what well, I was choosing the people you chose to be around in a way is kind yes. of even unconsciously you're choosing people that are chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't, I don't think you consciously look for it. I think that you just prefer that because that feels safe. Right. Yeah. So then but like now, that now I, now looking back, I'm like, Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> What made you want to change if that's all you knew? Um, I don't think anything made me want to change. I think I just knew that like deep down inside, I always knew that something what like I, I knew something was off. Right. But I couldn't pinpoint it 100% like what was off because I was successful with work. I was, I'm successful with you know, relationships outside of work, but my personal relationships were never successful. And I'm like, how can that be? Like, how can I be so great at everything, but suck at that, you know? And then that's when I started to go to therapy and like figure out that it's not necessarily that I was even doing it consciously is that, Mm. you know, I was recreating what I was comfortable with. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I, it's amazing that you're able to um, to frame that and and look 
back at it and, and realize that. Cause I think so many people just keep that cycle going for their whole oh, lives. Oh, for sure. And like, and so many people become victims of like, Oh, I can't because this is my life. And I, and, and, you know, I've learned through all my experiences that can't and won't doesn't exist in my world. Like right now I'm, I'm boxing, like I'm doing boxing five days a week. And I am now like my challenges. Cause I've done everything else. There's nothing else that I haven't done that I proved to myself that I can't do. Now my challenge is like, Oh, let me see if I can get like a six pack and, and, you know, like transform my body, like other people going and get plastic surgery and stuff. I'm literally going to work my ass off and see if I can, you know, transform my body to something that I've never had before. And that's because my goal right now. It seems like you have an intrinsic optimism. I don't even know what those words mean. I'm like, so glad I have like, an eighth grade education. <laughs> it seems to me like there's an, op- you're op- you have an optimism that you carry with you it naturally comes with you in, in situations, right? And instead of being like, Oh, I can't accomplish Plain this. Like your glass, your glass is half full. Like you look at a problem and go, I can solve this or, you know, yeah, yeah, positive, for sure. But that's positive. also like being, that's also like being through everything that I've been through. I wasn't always like that. You like there was from the time I was 13 till 24, like poor, what was me? Let me take a hundred fucking Xanax and a hundred Laura tabs and like knock myself out with a bottle of vodka. I've had all that, you know what I mean? And that wasn't the answer for me. So it had to be something greater or I would have died. Like, why would I still be here if I wasn't useful for some purpose in life? Like, Do you know how, I how did you get out of that hole? I went to a rehab. Uh-huh. But I got kicked out of there too, so I only stayed for a week. But like I think that <laughs> But it was enough. It was enough for you to go, okay, this is a It problem. was a jump start for me. Uh-huh. And then I had got in trouble. I had gotten in trouble with the law, so it was like mandatory that I did it. It wasn't um it wasn't a decision I made on my own. I had gotten in trouble with um I got had got caught with drugs and they were like, oh, you have to do this program or you're going to, it's either that or go to jail. So it was like, it was called a, a drug court program where you had to like go to, to counseling. You had to, you know, pee in a cup twice a week and, and do all this stuff to make sure that you were clean. If you failed one of your urine tests, then they would revoke the drug court program and you would go to jail. And so did I you feel like, like it was bullshit or you were, you were happy? You were kind of like, okay, this is an opportunity. No, I felt like it was bullshit. I didn't take it seriously. But as I started to clear my mind, I was like, I was always foggy when I was younger. Like everything was so foggy. And I think it was foggy because I was like, you know, drinking and and doing drugs and and stuff like that. So of course you have like a film over your head. So you don't ever have to deal with what's really going on. And when I started to like not have, you know, forced to not have the film over me, um, I started to wake up and once you're woke, like there's no stopping being unwoke because once you're awake, it's like, Oh, sky's the limit. I can do anything I want. That's incredible. Danielle. Yeah. And so like, I'm sure I feel that like the people process. put titles on, on, on people, like for an example, like, you know, you're, you're like, oh, you didn't want to be yourself because you're gay, right? right. But gay doesn't define who Quinn Murphy is, no. you know, or just like, oh, it shouldn't know, have to. No, it shouldn't because you are you, regardless. And like, you know, everyone was like, oh, she's bad. I was a bad kid. So you start to believe what people tell you. And once you realize, like, those are just words and they mean nothing because these people don't even really know you, they don't even take the time to know you. They're the bad ones. They're the crazy ones because they can't even get on your level. Yeah. Woo. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You no, I, I mean, I, I love it. It's not off. It's totally on. So you, yeah. so what made you decide, like, how did you get to the point where you were like, okay, I, I, I'm cleaned up my shit and I'm ready to move. I'm ready to do hair. Like what, how did that come about? Well, I think that it was like, okay. Did so many things like I don't have any education. I needed to do something that you could do that you didn't need education to do, and you can make money doing it. And the only thing I was good at was doing hair. Like long before I even decided I wanted to do it 
for a career. I was always good at it. I think that in it's, I was always good at like creating things anyway. I was very like imaginative and creative. And I didn't, because, you know, like growing up in a household like mine, nobody nurtures your creative side. They're like, you got to go to school. You have to be a nurse. You have to be a doctor. You have, you know what I mean? They wanted us to succeed because none of them did. You know, uh-huh. like neither one of my parents have a, a college degree. Um, and but you didn't have the tools to, to make that happen. It was just an idea. Like, yeah, it was an idea. They would be like, oh, why don't you do this? Like they portrayed onto you like, I don't even think I had pressure. I really don't even know. I think I just wanted to be so different than what I was around that I was like, oh, maybe I should go back to school. And so I got my GED. And I didn't um, know that. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, go to beauty school because I'm good at that. I never thought that I was going to make the career that I made out of it going into it. I just knew that it was legal and that I was good at it. And, and you had a couple I, uncles in the industry that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I thought that that was going to help me. That did not help me. That might okay, that was that's really what I wanted to ask you was is your last name was it a hindrance or was it um was it an advantage? I mean, it was an advantage to have Timothy open up the doors for me, but right. it was a hindrance because every time a door would open, people would think that the only reason that I was in that door was because of him. Right. Or Tom. And well, Tom really didn't I mean, I remember in the beginning of my career where Tom was like, didn't even want to like, um, admit I was his blood niece. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, because I was rough around the edges and they were so like, Oh, I'm with Madonna and I'm doing the cover of Vogue and blah, 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 blah. That now the tables have 100% turned. Like I have a more successful career at this day than they do or did. And so the relationships that I built with people are much stronger than their relationships were with people. And I think it comes from being myself. Wow. And and for those people who don't know Tom's life partner or husband, I'm not sure is Garen, who is like a legendary, um, like five decades of hair at the very top level. So it's also like a huge um, shoes to fill, right? Like you have these really yeah, successful like, family I members. Never- I never, but I never even like, there was no help from that side. Timothy was the only one that helped me in the beginning. And then he also got rid of me. So it was like, I remember him and I got into an argument and he was like, well, then go find another agent. And I was so upset. And I was like, what? Like, how are you going to like, I'm your niece. How are you going to get rid of me? Like, where am I going to go? I thought that was like the end all be all. And I was so upset. And actually was probably one of the best things that ever had happened for me because I would have stayed with him for the rest of my life. How are you so loyal when I feel like what I I keep hearing that people are, have kind of um, not been loyal or not, you know, broken your trust. Like how, what is it about you that remains so loyal to people? I don't know. I honestly, I think that that's one thing that I still do struggle with to this day is that I don't understand. Like I take people for their word because that's how I am. So I just automatically assume when I'm talking to somebody that nobody's just being my friend because Timothy Priano's my uncle or Michelle Priano's my sister and she's the executive producer at Victoria's Secret. I never in a million years thought that that was even a possibility, right? Mm-hmm. So being in the industry opened my eyes to so many like, this industry is really can be so phony. You know, and I like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like and like, like ninety nine point nine percent of the people. Like I know that jaws drop sometimes when I walk in a room and I say how I feel, and they're like, "Oh my god, did you just say that in front of her?" I'm like, "Who's her?" Right. Like yeah, I think on that on any other occasion, we're all human beings. Like just because you're. Uh, a a pop store or you're a a top model or whatever at the end of the day when you rip all that away you're a human being and you have the same qualities that everyone else came into this world with you know just as insecure or maybe more 
than everybody else. More, more, yeah. yeah. And I think that's like, I also think that the biggest problem with like this industry and why people are so phony because they're so scared that like, oh my God, if I speak my mind, then I'm going to get in trouble. And then that person is never going to book me or their manager or their publicist or their agent or whatever. And it's like, if you don't want to book me for me, who I am, Danielle Priano, with all my flaws and my, my broken English and my, you know, um, you know, I might twerk in the middle of our, our, our (laughs) session. I might say something that I shouldn't say. And like, if you don't want me for me, then I don't need, I don't need to be anything. I can't compromise who I am because it doesn't feel good at night. Like I go to bed every night at the end of the night and I don't think about anything because whatever I thought about all day, it's like I have diarrhea of the mouth. It just came out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like Coke and I'm like Coke light, you know, I'm I'm kind (laughs) of like that. Like I say shit all the time where I'm like, Ooh, maybe you shouldn't have said that, but you're, you're, you're the next level. You're like me on steroids, but I try to do that too, where it's like, there's no job that's worth it to not be yourself. But also I'm not mean. And I think that people like sometimes think that like I can be that people that don't know me, actually, it's not the people that really know me. I think it's the people that don't know me that take my realness as like a roughness and it's not being rough. It's just being me. And it's like, Oh, just because you're um, one of the top fashion photographers in the world, you're not supposed to smile. Like, fuck that. You could smile. Dude, we're not saving lives here. We're right. literally playing dress up. It's hair and makeup and, and clothes. I mean, there's a story I, I remember like being somewhere with one of the models and she was having like a bad day. And she was like, this is the worst day of my life. And I was like, is it though? I was like, is it the worst day of your life? I was like, because you're getting paid a lot of money to do what you're doing. I was like, you know what's the worst day of your life? Let me let me break it down for you. When you're sitting in an emergency room next to your dying child, that's the worst day of your life. Not today. This is just hair and makeup. And she looked at me and she stopped, you know, whining. And she was like, you know what? You're right. Sometimes people need to hear the truth. Yeah. And do you still work with her? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she appreciated the the breath of fresh air because a lot of the people surrounding our clients don't do exactly the opposite. And they just say yes all the time. And you're like, oh, well, that's why you've become this way because you have, it's all people enabling your bad behavior. But also there are a lot of people in our industry that prefer the yes, ma'am all day. Totally. And then there's the ones that don't. And the ones that don't prefer to be just yes all the time, the ones that prefer you to give your honest opinion. Those are the ones who want to work with Danielle, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The phony ones, me and them don't mesh. And that's fine. I'm not for everybody. And I don't want to be for everybody. I want to be for the people that appreciate me for who I am. Wow. Some people never learn that. I mean, I'm still trying to work on that. You know, it's like good days and bad days. I'm never like fully in that state, but I have moments of it. Well, I think that with with our industry, because nobody's my client. You know what I mean? Like they're not your clients. They're 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 unless you have a contract with one individual person that you work with, they're not your clients. It's all musical they chairs. With, they can work with whoever they want, whenever they want. And I think that a lot of people become like possessive of the people that they work with. And they think like they get upset when other people work with them or they like, go try all the people in the world. I think it's great to have different looks and different perspectives and different ideas of like how people work. And like, maybe someday you want like that very passive, you know, um, energy or whatever. And like the, and then, you know, when you want to be entertained and you want your spirits lifted, then you hire me, you know, because right. like, there's one thing that I know when it comes to our industry is that we as hair and makeup people are the first people to touch our um, talent in the morning. It's not anyone else. It's the hair and makeup that gets done first. So if you come into work with like bad energy or bad vibes or whatever, who knows your fucking cat could have just died. But like, that's not the thing that you need to put on that person when they're about to 
stand in front of a camera or an audience of 150,000 people and perform. You need to keep it light. Keep it. I fun, agree. Keep but you know, easy. sometimes I see people who I feel like are toxic and I always wonder like, yeah. who would want you to be in their, in their personal space? Like I just no no amount of great hair or makeup would want, would, would warrant for me to have certain people in my space. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, but in what in what situation are they toxic? Maybe they're not being toxic in that, those situations. Maybe they're just like toxic outside. Of I feel situation. like I can see through that shit. Like if somebody's being fake, you know, or being like kissing ass, but you know underneath that it's not like genuine. I'm like, oh god, you know, you get well for sure. You, you can't can. trust them. You can see it, but not everyone. Because like honestly, I've been in situations with with talent or other hair and makeup people. And I was like, oh shit, these people aren't really who I thought they were. And it's like, if you fooled me, you could fool anyone. I feel like, yeah. So what do you do, Danielle? Because you you said you're so like, um, you take people at their word. What, yeah. Where do you go when you find out that, that it's not what it seems and, or you've been I hurt. go to the left. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like you're done? I'm not. I'm done with you forever, and you and there's no turning back. Yeah, yeah. There's no. There's no turning back then, because like it was an unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Like you, I'm not. I don't need anyone to like me. I have a family. I have children. I don't need anyone to be phony with me and pretend with me. And if you wanted something from me, you could have asked me for something instead of build a fake relationship with me to get it. You know what I mean? Like, well, what if they come to you with a real genuine apology and you can tell that they're, they're sincere. Can you forgive? I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm all right. Wow. So once the attention, ladies and gentlemen, once you cross Danielle, (laughs) you better keep it moving. I mean, unless you did some serious work on yourself, because like I've done a lot of work on myself through therapy and healing and all types of, you know, holistic body work and and energy healing and stuff like that, where like, I know that I have the ability to make an impression on people and a positive impression, not a negative one. And so the fact that somebody would come into a situation with ulterior motives, it's really just disheartening. And I don't need that type of energy around me because that's going to cloud and close doors for me that I don't need to be closed. But having known you for so long is that everything ends up coming to light. I don't think even at your worst, you ever gunned for somebody or were trying to um, manipulate or take somebody down. I can honestly say that. No, because. And that's why I like you so much because even after what, 15 years or however long we've known each other, nothing's ever come back to me that was shady or that was like, I just know that, when you're somebody's friend, you have their back and that's what it's going to be. Yeah. But also like what benefit do I get by trashing another person's name? Like there's no benefit to me. I'm not in competition with any other hairdresser or makeup artist. I'm literally the only person I'm in competition with is myself. I don't care how many other. So you never look at Instagram and go, fuck, I wish I had that job. No, never. 100% never have. Well, that's why you're happy. Yeah. I don't care about that shit. Like I do Instagram because it's part of the culture of what we do for a living, but I could give two fucks what other people are doing. You know, the only thing that I give a fuck about is what Vanessa Priano and Angelina Priano are doing. And those are my children. And those are the people that can only make me make my mood change. Nobody else can make my mood change. I love that. Okay, so I want to yeah. I want to talk about um, b- being a mother. So you do you feel like you gave your kids everything that you didn't get? Yeah, but I also feel like it was a huge mistake. What do you mean? It was a huge mistake to give them everything that I didn't give because I didn't draw a line between overgiving and. You know, sometimes kids need limits, you know, like I didn't have the ability to go to my mom or dad growing up and saying, look, I need 50 bucks. I didn't, couldn't even ask them for 10. Matter of fact, I still can't to this day. So um, I think that the biggest lesson for me was that 
people don't always want things. They want love is more important than things. Mm. And I, I guess I didn't even have the ability to, I love my children. I have, and I thought I was showing them the right love, but I figured, Oh, okay. I'm going to Australia for new year's Eve with Mariah Carey and, or Vanessa, I'm going to miss your birthday because I'm going to be in Macau for a concert or whatever. And that's fine, Vanessa, because I'm going to buy you the best present you ever had. Right. So you overcompensated with material things because you weren't. Yeah. And my babies just wanted their mama. Oh. And when did you, when did you figure that out? Was that a part of the COVID thing? That was the only, yeah, that's the first time I figured it out. Yeah. Do you have feelings about that? They're kind of like, you know, once 21 and your other daughter is, you know, older too. Like, do you feel any guilt about not um, all the years that you didn't know that? I don't feel guilt because we had deep conversations about it. And like, they know I was a young mom and that I did the best that I knew how and the best that I was capable of in that moment. Sure. There were times when I was super young, like 22, 21, and I have two kids and I'm not like a great mom because I don't even know how to be a great mom because I didn't have a great mom. So you learn from example, but I didn't ever, I only ever wanted the best for my kids, even though if I didn't know how to show that, um, that's probably one of the hardest jobs in this world is being a mother to two daughters, because especially who I am and in my background, I fully wasn't capable of being per se a great mom. Do you know what I mean? I, like, I think so. I mean, I'm not a mom, so I, I don't think I do, but I, I kind of understand what you're saying. Well, like, I guess the way that society portrays, like, a great mom. I think I'm a great mom, and I now know that I was a great mom, and I did the best job that I could have done, which means more than, like, pretending I was the best mom. And yeah. No, I don't even know. How I to think put also it in like a couple. Like of years, I don't remember a couple of years ago. Some you were going through something, and it was kind of public or whatever. And uh-huh. I remember saying to you, like, "Well, how do you deal with that being a mom?" And you were like, "Oh, my kids know everything. I'm honest with them." And I thought that was so cool because I think also like the mo- the the most painful thing are secrets. You know, like when you can't talk about something. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. And that's why, like, with my girls, I never was dishonest with them. They all they know about that anything. I worked in a massage parlor. No, they know I worked in a massage parlor, and like, you know jerk dicks for a living when they were kids and like they know that I sold drugs and they know that like I was in abusive relationships and they know like my what my childhood consisted of they know everything about me why were you honest with them about that because why lie what if it were to come out which it did you know what I mean like why lie but I mean on on some other level were you trying to um not only just about them finding out but so that they don't repeat it Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Did it like, make sense consequences to hear that their mom went through that? Um, I think that they, it makes them sad to understand. They, I don't think that anyone can understand unless you're put in each individual person choose what they really went through. And so like, I think it was sad to them as they became adults because when they were a kid, they had, they had no concept of it. But now that they're grown, I think that sad isn't the right word. I think that they were, they feel empathy for me and they understand why I am the way I am. And if you want to call it crazy or unconventional or whatever, the way that I parent and who I am and how I don't have a filter and how I don't pretend like if you, you know, like my daughter wanted to smoke weed and you know who she came to when she wanted to smoke weed? She came to me. She asked me, mommy, me and my friends want to try weed. Can you get it for us? I'd rather my daughter came to me and asked me to do that than to go out in the streets and buy something that was K2 or whatever it's called. I don't even know what it's called, but like something that was dangerous for her. She felt comfortable enough to come to me and ask. Right. That's more important to me. 
So there's no filter between you and your girls? No, not, no. I mean, of course, they're kids. They have their little lies here and there. Like, I think if anything else, the reason that they lie to me is because they, they're um, scared to disappoint me. Mm-hmm. I think it's so cool that you are, like, so close to your girls. And I know that they have very different personalities from conversations we've had and that you've probably been able to learn about yourself through like, obviously the closest thing to you are your kids. 100%. But I'm also super proud. Yeah. I'm super proud of who they are. They're nothing like me. Really? And they've taken the best qualities of me and they're just, they're some, they're just, they're smart. They're compassionate. They're like, they have empathy. And I think that like the hardest thing to teach any child is confidence. Right. Yeah. And I'm overly confident and I know that that's hard to be in a household with somebody that is so confident. Right. And I think that they've always had to live in the shadow of me being who I am. And now that they're older and they can be themselves and like, you know, I know I'm not easy, but I think they understand that I'm not easy and they have learned how to, because of my childhood traumas, deal with who I am to have an open conversation and say, mommy, you're blacking out right now. You're being unreasonable. And I know that I'm being unreasonable because when, like you asked me earlier, if somebody does something to me, do I just shut them out? Well, it happens as well in my relationship with my kids where they no longer are my kids. You're now just somebody because I've passed that point of recognition because you've hurt me. So now that you've hurt me, I don't see you as my child. And I just go into a tangent where you're my enemy not in a sense that I did it on purpose but like I'm so used to being in the moment I'm so used to being disappointed and hurt that when my child does it to me there's a split second of where the mom shuts off and now I have to protect myself and you're in survival mode again survival mode and that's what I've been working on and like we have we had like you know during COVID we had like the yellow um sticky notes. And I was like, this is like one of those things where you have to come to me and tell me, mommy, this is the situation where it might be one of your blackout moments. So let's know it up front and let's have words that we can communicate with each other because there was no level of like understanding. Once on you my get pushed. Once, you get pushed, Once I get pushed. Yeah. I'm pushed to a, a, an extreme and I know that I would say hurtful things to my kids, not meaning them, which nobody else would even attempt to do if they didn't have the trauma that I had as a child to their children, because they would recognize that like, right. But I think not- your kids always, even in those moments when you're saying things that aren't really real, but you're just reacting yeah. Did your kids know that you were never that you're not going to kick them out of the house that you still love them or was it shaky and they yeah, they didn't sure. know? No, no, they knew. They knew I wasn't going to kick them out of their house, but the things that I would say would be very hurtful. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what I really tried to work on in these last year was not saying things that I didn't mean to my kids. In like, the for example, like if my daughter got in a car accident, which she did, and like it was my car, I was in LA, you smashed my car, and I'm like you're so fucking dumb. Like, blah, blah, blah. Why would you? And I don't stop. You know what I mean? And like, I don't stop until I can break myself out of that mental, whatever it is. I don't know, psychoticness. And then I realize I'll have to sleep on it. And I'll be like, oh my God. Like I literally, you know, people used to tell me growing up that I didn't have to carry a knife because my tongue cut like a razor blade. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's something I have to learn to have worked on. Was and, that, and what's on the other side of that coin? Did you then feel really guilty? Oh my God. Horrible. Horrible. And so what does that look like? 
like you can't take back words, right? Like you can't take back what you said, right? Right. You can only explain why you said them. And in explaining to them like how I felt like because I'm so real, it's hard for me to understand why why my kids would come to me without the truth right Mm -hmm. like because i figured that there isn't anything that could happen that you wouldn't feel comfortable telling me because i've already told you that right and now in hindsight i see that the reason that they didn't feel comfortable telling me is because of the reaction that they would get they were scared right and if you know that you're going to get an adverse reaction to being honest then you stop being honest right which you know, it was a big mistake on my behalf. And you learn, you know, I was young when I had them and I've been through trauma that they will never experience because I, I've never put them in situations where they would have to go through anything like that. So yeah, are you like, oh, are you protective of them? So protective. My daughter's 21. She had her first boyfriend. My first boyfriend, my <laughs> first sexual encounter was like at 11. You know oh. what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. Not, I wanted but, them but to be not scared. because you were like, you can't. Or were you? No, I wasn't like, you can. I just wanted them to understand, like, these are the, you know, like, this is the, is the word, rep- rep- what's the word? Repercussions? Yeah, of, like, being in a relationship in such a young age. Like, let's be real. You're not going to be with the guy that you met in eighth grade. Like, that's just right. not going to happen. So why invest your emotional energy into something that is, like, it's not even that serious. It's just like, okay, so now you've taken your focus out of yourself, out of your girlfriends, out of your, or boyfriends, whatever they are, your friends. Um, You've taken your energy and focus on something that's not going to be there at the end of the school year. So why waste your, that's a lot of emotional, when you give yourself emotionally to somebody, that's a lot. So to like, have to do that when you're a, a baby, in a sense, right? Is a lot of work. I mean, I didn't have a relationship until I was ni- 19 or 20 because I was in the closet. So I felt oh, like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I felt like when everybody, <laughs> <laughs> I know, remember when everyone would cough and you'd be like, oh. Um, I was in the doctor's office with my daughter the other day. She's like, mommy, I got a cough. I was like, so cough. She was like, no, they're going to think I have the COVID. I was like, then go in the bathroom. I love how you always say the COVID too. (laughs) Um, I was just going to say quickly because then um, that I always felt like I wish I had had my heart broken when I was growing up and in like junior high and high school when everyone else did, because I was, when you have your first heartbreak, it doesn't matter if you're, 12 or 21 it still hurts like it never will again you know i have felt like oh yeah i have. have oh for sure my i mean i my boyfriend my first boyfriend in college broke my heart and i don't think i've ever been in love so i don't think i've ever had my heart broken oh really mm-hmm. is that something that you want Sure. I don't even know what that is, but maybe sure. Have you, you've never felt like um, you couldn't stop thinking about a guy or that you were um, like obsessed, like waiting for the next call or like, you know, thinking about what he's thinking about. You, you haven't had those kind of feelings. No, not really. Not in, not because of those reasons. Like uh-huh. maybe I was like, Oh, I want to get some dick, but like not, <laughs> not, not not waiting for the phone call because I was like needy for the attention. Um, do you, so do you do you want to find love? Is that what's next on your menu? I want to love myself more than I've ever loved myself in my life, and I want to be the best version of myself that I can possibly be. And then I think that all those things fall into place once you can do that. For sure. And also find a healthy relationship, right? Right. But, you know, like, that's the thing why I think that I, right now, I I am single and I, I choose to be single. I can be with whoever I wanted some at some point, you know, like. Right. But I choose right now because I've never had, I always associated sex with love. So the more sex that I had, the more he loved me. And I think that that's like something I've had to work on. So the next relationship that I'm in, Hey, sorry, my dogs are fighting. Hey, Angelina, get the dogs. 
<coughs> Sorry, Quinn. That's okay. Your dogs are, are uh, cock blocking here. <laughs> They're cute. So, I've seen them on Instagram. Yeah, I thought that the next relationship that I do it go into, I'm not going to base it off of like sex. I think I'm going to base it Will off. You of have life. sex on the first date. I mean, I'd like to see it on the first date. I don't think I'm going to have sex on the first date. I think that I'm going to build a relationship first. And that would be new and then for you. That would be so new for me. So even though you're not looking for a rela- necessarily a relationship right now, does that mm-hmm. mean that you, you won't have sex now? No, no. That's the thing that, like, there's a huge misconception with people. It's like, you can have sexual relationships with somebody with no emotional attachments. Right. So, like, I can hook up with, I mean, hopefully the other person can do the same thing, but I can easily hook up with somebody and never speak to you again and not wonder if anything. And I think that um, a lot of issues with people are because they get emotionally attached when they have sex. And, like, I just don't. Well, women especially. <laughs> yeah, is that true? Yeah. I don't know. I don't sleep I with more than women. That. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Many or none? <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, I know you're you're really straight because I know that if you weren't, I mean, I don't even know what that means. I'm really straight. I just well, like, you know, like there's like, a, there's like a you're a, like like you like you like dick. So do I. I'm really gay. Yeah, like I I never <laughs> exactly. dated a girl. I never dated a girl. Like like it's just like oh I'm not doing that. You know, think I may. Yeah, sexual. I mean, I don't have anything against lesbians. They can do whatever they want, but I yeah, don't. You're just not one. Nice beautiful long penis why are you so into the um size of it though is that just the fetish because i'm not i don't know i'm just not a skinny girl and i don't think that i could take like a a tiny penis what about a tiny guy no i can't do that either okay we're gonna what uh, do you mean tiny like like a skinny guy with like a dick on a stick you know like a real skinny guy but with a huge i love skinny guys i love skinny guys i love that's my type skinny and tall oh okay it'd be so fun to make your um like grinder account or whatever it's called in the straight world i don't think there is one of those because if there was i would have had it and you just be really honest up front about what you want. You're like, I need nine, yeah, like, nine inches and above or don't even I mean, know. I don't even know. That's all I'm just accustomed to. I don't even know. I've never been in a situation the other way around. Well, yeah, you just ended, like, lucky in that. I ended before it even. No, I just ended before it even got to that at that point. Wow. Well, it's a good thing there's someone, there's someone for everyone. You know, some people don't yeah. care about that. But you're just yeah. That's great. (laughs) I mean, I don't know that I don't care because I've never had to care. Let's just put it that way. Okay, Danielle has never had a medium to small size (laughs) in her life. Yeah. Good to know. No pressure for the next for Prince Charming who's uh, gonna come around the corner if he never listens to this. My luck, like I'll fall in love with the guy with the five inch dick. Yeah. You know that's what happens, right? Like people who are obsessed with height end up dating short. Like if you become too obsessed about one thing, I swear to God that the universe is going to give that to you. They're going to be like, "Here's everything you wanted and a micro penis." (laughs) That's fucked up. (laughs) Let's just let's just move on from this conversation. I don't want to put that in the universe. We'll save that for work. Okay, um, yeah. we're gonna wrap this up, but I just wanted to play a game with you at the end. Um, and this is you pick one or the other, okay? And you can right. answer it however you want. It means whatever it want means to you. Okay, okay. Jay Z or Beyonce? Jay Z all day, every day. In I love. knew that. I knew that. <laughs> Actor or singer? Singer. Movie or series? Series. Rap or R and B? Rap. Oh. Modern shag or shag me baby? Shag me baby. The Rachel haircut or the Karen? I don't know who either one of those people are, so I can't help you on that one. It's a yeah, friends reference, the Rachel. Karen, you know oh, Karen. Oh, I've never seen I've Karen never seen the hater, the, the white chick who's like in everybody's business and um won't wear a mask. But I've also never saw friends. Oh yeah. I don't I mean Okay, heatless texture or turn up the heat? Turn up the heat. 
Heavy bangs or heavy weights? Heavy weights. <laughs> Buffalo, New York or Buffalo wings? Buffalo, New York. I don't eat wings. Okay. Buff- and Buffalo in the house. All right. And then let's play marry, fuck, or kill. You have to pick one to marry, one to fuck, and one to kill. Between Lil Wayne, Donald Trump, and Dr. Phil. I'm fucking Lil Wayne. <laughs> That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> I'm marrying Dr. Phil for his money and I'm killing Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, we're in total agreement on that. Although it would be super annoying if Dr. Phil was like always calling you out on like your thing. <laughs> you know, Danielle. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but like if I married Dr. Phil, then I could like cheat on him with Little Wayne. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Danielle, I really love you. I like you more and more. Um, You know, I wish that we could uh, be around each other more. And as soon as COVID's over, let's like, um, let's get together and have a a night out on the town. Yeah, well, also, I'd like to come to your house in the Hamptons. I've never been. Totally. Um, Right now, we're not having anybody out because, you know, COVID. But I would love for you bring your girls, um, you know, when the weather's better and we can just hang out and drink rosé. Okay, sounds good. All right. Thank you, Danielle. All right. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye.